to the book of Genesis chapter 4 this evening. Uh, Genesis 4. I was thinking throughout the week uh, about uh, people and where certain people might be in their individual walk. Uh, some people in the Lord's work have been doing this a lot longer than than the most of us. Um, uh, so they've been walking on the road for a while. And some of us might have just started. We just started our Christian pilgrimage. We're, we just began walking. We just came out of the womb. And everybody is at different places. And... Since everybody is at different places, they require different treatment. Now, what I mean by that is, is the individual or the minister is to help people. Uh, a lot of times, people are, uh, and as you go on, especially as a young minister, that it's not just hooping and hollering and shouting and Hallelujah, praising, but it's but it's how how can I recognize what an individual might be going through uh, or struggling with or something in their life, uh, and how can I take God's word and help them with that particular issue? Um, because there are a lot of times where it sounds great and there's shouting and there's praising and that's good and I, I like to shout and I like to praise. But there's a lot of times where I leave a service unaffected and not changed, though I've shouted. And uh, so my objective is to be able to take this, preach what this says, make it relatable to your life, and hopefully the Spirit of God will illuminate you and touch you. Um, Because if I've helped you, if you leave here today and you leave affected, then... You did not come here in vain. Um, and my goal is for you to leave here affected and changed. And that requires different things. People who have been doing this a lot longer are going to need a different type of message delivered to them. But nevertheless, even those that have been doing this for a long time, it should be able to reach uh, both demographics, both young and old. And he is to take what this says uh, in that day and apply it for us who are here in this day and meet it in the middle and make application. And so that's what I want to try to do. So you are in a different stage uh, of development than someone else. If all these kids... Uh, went outside to go and play soccer, there would be a different... The older kids would probably be more productive if they all went out and played soccer. So, uh, and that's not to say that they won't grow up and be good soccer players. It's just that's where certain people are in their growth and development. And we're not all in different places, and, and that's okay. That's all right, too. So it's just understanding and recognizing the need and, and where people are in their Christian life and how can I help them with, with whatever it is that they have because the ultimate goal is, is to help people with the Word of God to serve better. Uh, and as you grow in age, age will help you do that. And I wanna, before I begin, I want to thank you because I, 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 I noticed growth in myself. So I want to thank you for tolerating me and my foolishness uh, the time of my foolishness. So I, I really want to appreciate you for being long-suffering with me in that. So I wanted to mention that. Genesis chapter number 4, we will begin our reading at verse 1, and then we will uh, conclude our reading at verse 16. And I've got a certain thought this evening, um, and this is just the thought that I wanted to have for Sunday night, but that just got rearranged, and that's okay too. Now, I want to say this before I preach this, that I do not preach a message and I do not have a certain particular individual in mind like, oh, they're lost and they're saved and no one knows who's lost and who's saved. And uh, no one knows that. 
uh, only you know that. Now, we are to take God's word and align that, and people manifest certain characteristics and things of that such, but, but we don't know. And so this is not a message to, to uh, attack anyone or to make you feel uncomfortable or not confident in, in the deliverance that you say the Lord's done for you. But if you are born again and you are truly regenerated and God has sealed you, then this will be reaffirming to you. It will, it will strengthen you. I know whenever I hear messages that, that, that are kind of like this one, they strengthen me, they fortify me, they help me, and I want to be built up and strengthened. I want to leave here affected. I do not want to leave here the same exact way that I came. So Genesis chapter number 4, we will begin at verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Cain said in verse 13, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out right here in verse number 16, and I'll conclude my reading here. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. I'll conclude my reading right there. But I really want to look at verse number uh, 3. Go back in verse number 3. And this is really where I want to take my thought at. Uh, and, and in verse number 3, it says, And in the process of time... It came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So I want to take verse number 3 and preach this thought to us. And hopefully it will be a blessing to you. But this is what I'd like to preach to you tonight. And hopefully it will be a blessing and I hope that it will. And this is the thought. And that is found in verse 3 where Cain brings his offering of the fruit of the ground unto the Lord. And I want to preach a message to you tonight with this thought. Those that come like Cain. Those that come like came. Let's pray real quick and ask the Lord to help us. Our Father, we thank you for the night. We pray for your protective hand to be over us. Help us. We pray that your saints will receive edification. We know, Lord, that it is your power, your word, your strength, your spirit, your grace, your mercy, all these things, Lord, that you provide. We pray now that for this brief moment you would take the words of the individual, that you would use them to illuminate the heart of the people. We know the power is in your word and not man's ability, though... Uh, though 
We do strive to deliver a message that would be pleasing to you, but we pray that it would help others, strengthen us, help us, and establish us, we pray. In Jesus' name, we do ask. Amen. So those that come like Cain, so there are, if you see here in our text, there is two types of people represented here uh, in, in our text. Now, we see that Cain and Abel and uh, Adam and Eve had children, uh, and Cain and Abel were their children, and essentially they each bring an offering. Now, we'll talk about uh, the offering maybe, but I really want to just deliver that point, and that is about those that come like Cain. Now, there are two types of people here in the text, okay? So, obviously, we see that there is Cain and Abel, right? We, we see Cain and Abel and the process by which each of the individuals come. One comes by bringing a sacrifice uh, of the first things of his flock, verse 4 and Abel. And another one comes by bringing an offering of the ground from the Lord, uh, Cain. So Cain in verse 3 brings his offering. Uh, and then Abel in verse 4 brings his offering. So both people bring an offering. And so... There are two types of people represented here. And Cain's offering was a representation of his works and his ability and what he could do to produce an offering and take what he could do and give it to God. Now Abel took the firstling of his flock and offered that up to God. And he took uh, a blood sacrifice to God. Now, as I said that there are two types of people here in the scriptures, there are two types of people generally in the world today. And as I said, again, I don't know who's lost and who's saved that's in the room. That's not for me to, to find or figure out or to think about. I don't have to worry, wonder in my day whether or not people are born again or not. I don't have to, I don't have to do that. And so I assume everybody here, by your profession of faith in the Lord, that you're born again. But Cain and Abel were relative. I mean, they were brothers. So they had a, there was a connection between the, the group of people. There was a connection. Uh, they were very close. Uh, they probably cared for one, of, one another. They had a close, tight relationship. They, they loved each other. Now, Abel, I'm sure, had malice in his heart, probably because Cain was serving the Lord. Or, a, or Abel... Cain had malice in his heart because Abel was serving the Lord. I'm sorry, let me, let me correct that. Uh, so, but there probably was a, a, a fleshly love between the two, but not a deep, connected, spiritual love between the two. Uh, and I'm sure Abel knew that. But nevertheless, there are these two people that are here and the two offerings. Now, I want to ask you that are sitting here tonight, how have you come to church tonight? Have you come to church like Abel in that you have brought the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ? That Calvary has been made real to your heart and to your life and that Jesus Christ is not just a historical figure. Uh, he is not just a man that existed some time ago and I know about him historically. But is Jesus Christ real to me in my heart and in my life? So tonight have I come to church and have I brought the appropriate sacrifice that God requires of me in order to fulfill the demands that He has laid upon me, which is perfection? And God demands perfection out of those that come to Him. But you cannot come to Him in an unperfected state. So He requires you to bring something that you cannot provide for yourself. So, Or have you come to church like Cain tonight, that you have brought the best that you can do, you have cleaned up the outside... You have uh, made yourself look really nice. Uh, maybe you're even wearing a tie. Uh, how have you come to church tonight? Have you come to church tonight upon a profession of faith that you made uh, when you were 10 uh, that hasn't done anything or changed anything in life? Uh, how have you come today to church? 
There are people that are sitting in churches right now that have come like Cain. There are those that come like Cain. Tonight, who have you come to church like? Have you come by way of that blood sacrifice? I hope so, and we'll get into that tonight, this evening. So the the offering, Cain, look in verse number 3, Cain brought the wrong kind of offering. It says in the process of time, and it came to pass right here that Cain brought the fruit of the ground as an offering. So he was, Cain was, it says in verse 3 that he was a, uh, a, in verse 2 it says that Cain was a tiller of the ground. So he labored uh, to cultivate crops. He, he, his labor, his work, his effort was to, to, to plant something in the ground and to produce something and, uh, and to watch it grow and the expectation thereof to, to hopefully to see it grow. But, but uh, I'm sure sometimes he would see that there, there, he would probably notice in his days of cultivation that there really wasn't much growth. Sometimes he would probably plant things and, and he would see that uh, this isn't growing like it should. He's, he's making an assessment that this should be growing more. It should, there should be more production. That We're talking about Cain examining his own fruit. Uh, there should be production. There should be growth. There should be some sort of change that's taken place. And no doubt that Cain, being a tiller of the ground, had obviously seen seasons of planting and growth and, and sowing and reaping, and but Cain, uh, at this time, I'm sure he, he plants something and there, a fruit comes up. He sees fruit. There's production thereof. And, and Cain, no doubt, is probably very, very excited. I mean, here he is. He's got Abel and uh, Cain's right here and Abel's right here. And uh, both of them are probably excited. They've, they've both grown up. I mean, Dad was the first person that existed in the history of the human race. And, of course, Dad knew what it was like to be in the garden and uh, no doubt, I'm sure, that Dad probably had taught them about what had happened after the fall and what God had done. And by that time, they were probably uh, offering things up to God. With, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they were because we see here that Abel already knew what to do as far as his offering and his sacrifice that he was bringing to God. But Cain brought the wrong kind of offering. But I want to say this, that Cain's problem didn't just start in chapter th- or chapter 4 uh, in verse number 3. Cain's issue did not just start uh, in, in verse three. There, there was a there was an issue. There was an underlying issue before that of when it started. And when when we read that and we, we kind of look at verse number three and we just well just Cain brought an offering unto the Lord and we kind of just read it fast. But then we kind of miss the fact that Cain Adam was was created, so he was created a full a full grown man. But Cain came from his mother. So he grew up. He had been a child. And if you know dealing with any children, even small girls, for example, that you'll ask them to do something and they've always got a better way to do it. There's always some sort of better way. You'll say, hey, I want you to do this. And then they'll say it all sweet and innocent. And well, I want to do it this way. And it's, it's just a sweet little way of saying, I'm rebelling against what you're telling me to do. And if you let that slide, no doubt, then you let it slide and uh, over and over, you let it slide. Then it becomes a hardened problem. And my, my little son there, he's, he's so sweet, but whenever he transgresses against what I say, I don't look at the immediate infraction and go, all right, I'm going to correct you for this infraction. But I correct him for the, what the infraction will lead to 20 years down the road. You don't just correct him and just say, oh, I'm just spanking you right now, but I'm showing you the right way and correcting that so 20 years down the road... You're not out there rioting and burning down and looting down buildings and streets and cursing cops and doing that thing. And so what I'm saying is, is, is I, I don't know what Cain's raising might have been like. I mean, maybe, maybe I could just imagine Adam and him growing up that Adam is saying, Cain, I want you to go grab that, go grab that oak over there. And Cain's like, all right, Dad, I'll grab the oak, but I'm going to get the pine too. So he's, Daddy's telling him to do something, but I can just imagine Cain say, yeah, I'll get the pine, but I want to get the oak too, because, or I want to get this kind of wood too, because this will burn good too. And I can just imagine Adam saying, well, maybe he's, maybe he's just growing up, or he's just slowly become, starting to become himself, or he just wants to just exercise a little bit of his free will. Um, I can just imagine thinking about that, about, about that. So Cain, early on from his, his childhood years, began to develop his own system and what he wanted to do in his life. 
And so you see here, and it comes to the, to the time where they get older in their life, and it comes time to make, a, 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 I guess, a spiritual decision, if you will. It comes time for them to decide on their own what they're going to do with their life, uh, maybe with what uh, the influence that what was in their life had taught them. Uh, maybe that Cain, I mean, no doubt Adam had probably taught them, hey, when you come to God, you need to bring a sacrifice. You don't need to bring that. And I can just imagine Cain already being told what he was going to... If, if you just come this way, you'll be accepted. Matter of fact, God told him that, didn't he? And so Cain brought the wrong kind of offering. But what I'm saying is his underlying issues did not just begin in the third verse of the fourth chapter. I'm sure we're all familiar with what I'm saying. It had been something maybe in his heart or in his life that, that potentially might have, could have been prevented. Maybe if Cain would have listened to Daddy... Uh, if uh, Cain maybe would have listened to his, his relative that was close to him, uh, maybe he would have avoided all the tragedy and the problems in life that were down the road if maybe Cain just would have listened. And no doubt when he was in the land of Nod, I believe he came to that realization if I just would have listened. And later on in the message, we'll get to that. So Cain brought the wrong kind of offering because he was a tiller of the ground. Now Cain's offering was the best that man could produce. We talked about earlier that there would have been times of season and growth that he didn't see any development. But it was about the time that they were coming to bring an offering. And I could just imagine Cain just, just he's cultivated the land, he's planted the seed, and now things are starting to come up. It's the, uh, it's the finest fruit that man could give. I mean, here it is right here. This is Cain's fruit. There's not a better fruit out there. I mean, Cain's got it all good. It looks nice. It, it plays the part. It tastes real good. Everything looks good outwardly to maybe everybody that's around. Maybe the family would have liked it a little bit. I mean, everybody talked about Cain's fruit. I mean, nobody could complain when they looked at Cain's fruit outwardly. Nobody could complain about Cain and his fruit. You don't see anywhere in the Scriptures where anybody complains about Cain's fruit. So when you looked at Cain's fruit outwardly, you would say, man, this is the finest looking fruit. I mean, this fruit's right up in line, ain't it? I mean, it was grown in a good line, real straight, looks real good on the outside. I mean, it's right in line, right in the row, right? But Cain brought the wrong kind of offering. It was the finest fruit that man could give. I mean, it was a satisfactory, more than satisfactory product. I mean, it was, it was good fruit. I mean, Cain loved it. I mean, without question, it was, it was the best fruit that man could, could produce and even that man could give. There wasn't a finer fruit that anybody could have than the fruit that Cain had. But Cain brought the wrong kind of offering. It was a representation of his works, his own ability, uh, what he could do, uh, uh, what he could provide. The, the, uh, the um, how can I say it, the... The, the, the power of his own strength was found in his fruit. But, but that's not what, what God required. That's not what God... God didn't want uh, a nice-looking uh, red tomato. God wasn't interested uh, in the outside. He, he wasn't interested in what man can produce. And if you, you're familiar with the fall, in the previous chapter, the reason why God didn't accept it in the first place, because... He said, unto dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And so God creates man, and man is perfect, upright, everything's fine, and then man falls in the transgression. What is man made out of? He's made out of the dust. And so then after the fall, what does God curse? He curses the dust. He curses the ground. So man can no longer approach God in the power of his own strength. And that's what it's like when you and I try to approach God apart from what he demands. That's offering something that God has cursed. That's the reason why we can't save ourselves. We're cursed in who we are in Adam. And that's why God didn't... It wasn't that Cain's fruit wasn't good fruit. Man, Cain's fruit was the best fruit that you could find. There wasn't a better fruit than Cain's fruit. Man, Cain had it made in, in, in regards to his fruit. Everything was tilled in line. Everything was good. It all looked good. Everything was great. I mean, all the lines were in a row. I mean, you, when you looked at Cain's fruit, you said, man, Cain's got it outwardly. But Cain didn't have it inwardly. And there are those, unfortunately, that come to church, but they come to church like Cain in that they have not received the gift of God, which is given by grace because they attempt to do it themselves. We're talking about Cain's fruit. Though it was all these things that Cain had, he brought it from the ground that God cursed and the Lord did not accept it. 
So as a result of those not accepting it, that as a result of God not accepting it, uh, he brought the wrong offering that he cursed. But I want to say this, that those that come like Cain, just the way that he did. Now, you're not bringing the fruit of the ground, but if you're unregenerate, but you're living on a profession of faith without a, without a possession of Christ, you are in fact coming the same way that Cain did. Does that make sense? Okay. So those that come like Cain, those that come like Cain bring the wrong kind of offering. Some try to obtain the Lord's favor by religion. I'm going to do better if I just go to this church. If I, I, I know I can't come to this church because I feel the condemnation and the weight of my sin because they address my sinful conduct when I go there, so I'll just go to Life Church where they won't say anything about the way that I live over there. They won't address my sin by the way that I do over there because they don't know me. So I'll go over there to Life Church where they won't, they won't touch anything and I'll come like Cain and God will accept me over there at Life Church. And that's the mindset and process of people that have been here in our midst. I know that if I go over there, they'll accept me. There are those that come like Cain. Some try to come like Cain and obtain the Lord's favor by religion and doing better. And if I go to this church... If I just sing these songs, if I get my Bible reading done by the day, I mean, if, it, if I just go through all the outward works, if I, pray, if I pray a little bit, I read my Bible a little bit, and I do all these outward works, but it really never reaches inside in the depths of the heart. See, Cain should have known better being a, being a, a tiller of the ground. He, he should have known better. That's, he, he planted stuff in the ground. He planted stuff in the ground and watched things and cultivated things, and yet... There would be times that Cain would not see anything grow. How, he, how could he not recognize within himself that... What, see, it began, why do I feel this way toward Abel? What has Abel done to me that I feel this way toward him? And the problem was, oh, it, it began easily, is what I'm saying. It, it, it occurred, you, you read in the scripture, right? Whenever we go back here, let's look back in the verse. I'm going to show you this. It says, in the process of time. So, when the mind, and this is just for the fact of, of, of practical application in Christianity, when the mind is not girded up, and the loins of your mind are not girded up, and thoughts are free-flowing into your mind, and you begin, why am I struggling with the sin of bitterness? Why am I, why am I bitter towards Abel? Uh, uh, maybe because the loins of your mind are not girded up. And that's, the, the, it starts in the mind. And then once it begins in the mind, it gets down to the heart, and it becomes an issue that is hard, and God has to break that up. And so what am I saying? I'm talking about Cain and his relationship toward Abel and how it got here in the first place and how Cain brought the wrong kind of offering. Some people try to obtain the Lord's favor by religion. Not only that, but some people try to obtain the Lord's favor by self-righteousness. That I, if, if I, as long as I'm better than you, then I'll be okay. Or as long as I'm better, better than you, right? I mean, because after all, that... Christ isn't the standard. The fallen man that I'm looking at, he's the standard. You know, Christ is the standard. And when you find yourself measuring or look at some, looking at somebody else, what I do personally in my life, I right whenever I start thinking about something, I've, he is without sin. Let him first cast a stone at her. Uh, I start thinking about uh, pulling out the beam out of my own eye. I start I, I, those verses begin to just immediately come into my mind. I pull out the beam out of your eye before you look at your brother. I mean, those things come to my mind immediately because I want to gird up the loins of my mind because I don't want to end up like Cain and bitter towards my brother because Satan has shot an arrow at me. Does that make sense? There are those that come like Cain. Some people come like Cain in self-righteousness. And what do I mean by that? I've had people that have called me on the telephone multiple times that have called me and they have asked me because they've had an encounter with some, some Christian. And they'll call me and they'll say, hey, I just encountered somebody that said they were a Christian and this is what they were doing. And I just want to know if this is right or not. And, and so what it is, is, is there's a twofold application. Number one, they're trying to get you to excuse their sin because they have confidence in your testimony. And then number two, they really want to know if the person that just insulted them told them the truth. So... What I'm saying is, is, is people come like Cain in that self-righteousness, believing that so, if I'm just better than them, then maybe God will accept me. And that is not true. Amen. You cannot come to the Lord by way of self-righteousness. The Lord abhors that. 
The Lord abhors that. And He sees that in our heart when we look at other people. When we look at other people and uh, when we despise other people in our heart, He sees that. He sees that in my heart when I despise someone else in my heart. There are those that come like Cain. I want to mention a couple of religions that come like Cain. Some people that are in religion that come like Cain. We talked about those that are in religion bring the wrong kind of offering, how Cain brought. I want to say this, that the Catholics come like Cain and that they bring, they bring the wrong kind of offering. They bind upon the people things that Jesus never taught. They teach, them things, they teach for doctrines the commandments of men. They trust in their works. They put bondage upon the people that they themselves do not fulfill. The Catholics come like Cain. I want to say this also, not only the Catholics, but the Campbellites come like Cain, in that they trust water. See, Cain brought the wrong kind of offering, and God did not accept it. And the Campbellites come like Cain because God does not accept a sinner based upon whether or not he was baptized by a certain person. Now, baptism is a prerequisite for church membership, but it does nothing for you, but it's only an answer of a clean conscience towards God. Does nothing, no, there is no saving merit in baptism. Baptism does nothing for you and as far as saving work goes. So the, 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 the Catholics and the Campbellites and all of that, but the Calvinists come like Cain in that they bring the wrong kind of offering because they're trusting in election. They're trusting in election and they're trusting in, well, God chose me and you're not chosen, but I'm chosen for sure. Uh, and that's the way that the Calvinist approaches the Bible. That everybody, They're one of the only elect every, no one else is saved. And that's how it is with the Calvinists. The Calvinists come by Cain. Religion in general does not come by way that God requires them. Okay? They don't, they don't bring the right kind of offering. And we're talking about people that don't bring the right kind of offering. Okay? Now I want to say this. We were talking about how the Catholics bring the wrong kind of offering. And I want to use the example of Abraham in justification. In Romans chapter number 12, when God separated Abraham to begin the work of the nation, God separates Abraham, and then afterwards, what is it, in Genesis chapter number 14, maybe 15, he tells him to look up at the stars, and Abraham, if you'll believe what I'm saying concerning you, and you believe what you see in them stars concerning my word, and so what does it say? It says that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Does, does it not say that? Well, what a Catholic will do is they'll take Abraham's example and justification in Romans chapter number 15 and then Romans 4 because it says, Was not our father Abraham justified by works? Uh, or it says, Was not our father Abraham justified by works? If he was justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Okay, that's what it says in Romans. And now, but in James, it talks about Abraham's example and justification. And what a Catholic does is they intermingle those and they get them mixed up when... Paul and James are not even talking about the same thing. Because Abraham was justified before he put Isaac upon the altar. James says, was not Abraham our father justified when he put Isaac upon the altar? Now, but if you read down to the very end of the verse and continue on reading, it says, seest thou how faith wrought his works, and by works was his faith made perfect. And so the example of Abraham in justification is believing God, and it accounted to them for righteousness. See, all Cain had to do was just believe God. It's just a simple message. Just believe God. You just believe God. You turn on yourself who you are, your own works, your own ability, your own cultivation of the fruit that you offer that's cursed anyways, and turn from that and turn unto God. That's what Cain had to do, and that was what, what was required of Cain. But he brought the wrong kind of offering. Not only that, look in verse number 5. <laughs> it says, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. So God did not respect Cain's offering. And Cain thought within himself that his offering was sufficient enough to satisfy God. I wonder if there's anybody, any of us that are sitting in here tonight that think within ourselves that our offering is sufficient enough to satisfy God. You know crying upon an altar is not salvation. There are a lot of people who believe that because there was a time when they went up to an altar and cried on an altar and asked Jesus to save them that they got saved because after all, God wouldn't lie to him, would he? Salvation is not crying upon an altar. Salvation is you and Jesus doing a work for you that you cannot do for yourself. And what he does is First Corinthians chapter number five, Second Corinthians chapter number five, verse twenty-one. For he hath made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he takes your un, un, your, your sinfulness, your unrighteousness. And he attributes that to Christ, 
And he takes Christ's righteousness and attributes that to you. And so he saves you, and there's a process in that in salvation. You're crucified with Christ, all that. I don't have time to go into that, but what I'm saying is there's a work that only God can do. And in salvation, if he has not done that work, then you have come tonight in church. You have come like Cain. I, have to, I, I can explain this, the old man, the new man. I, I can do all that, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have time to do that. What I'm saying is, is tonight, who have you come to church like? Have you came to church like Cain? You know deep down inside that God hasn't accepted your offering. And if we had any... any, any uh, in the, uh, see, what we do is we hide out as long as we... That's what Adam and Eve did. They, they hid out for as long as they possibly could. See, God knew. He said, he said I'm hiding because I'm... Na- who told thee that thou wast naked? Adam hid for as long as he possibly could. And that's what sinners do who are under the bondage of a profession of faith and religion that has not done something on the inside. There are those that come like Cain. Is that you tonight? So Cain thought that his offering was sufficient enough to satisfy God. Cain was going to come his way. It was what Cain wanted to do. It, was the, it wasn't what, what his dad had told him to do, but it was what Cain wanted to do. And it was Cain's way. It didn't matter about Adam's way, but it was about Cain's way. And Proverbs says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. And so Cain came by virtue of his own way. Look in verse number 5. Again, as we continue on reading. But unto Cain to his offering, he had not respect. Right here. So God did not respect Cain's offering. And I want to say this to you, that if you have come like Cain tonight, God does not respect your offering as well. That's, that's for anybody. That's, that's for me included. That's, that's for me too. And so what I'm saying is, is there's a prescribed method by which God allows sinners to come, and it is not in the work of their own righteousness. And so Jesus said, and John, don't turn there, I'll just read it, because I'm going to go through here, but I'm trying to hurry. In John chapter number 10, verse number 1, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as the thief and the robber. So Jesus said, there's a a certain way that you come. You don't don't come any other way, but there's 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 a way that you come. And the way that you come is by faith in Christ Jesus. See, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain because he had faith. He had faith. And faith is what God requires from the sinner. But I want to say this to the sinner, that you do not have the faith that God requires. See, God has to grant you faith. God has to give you something that you do not have to believe in Him. And not only that, after He grants you faith, God has to accept your repentance. He says, peradventure, that God will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So not only does God have to give you the faith that you do not have, He has to grant you the repentance before salvation takes place. And that's the reason why people are able to profess faith in Christ but have no inward change is because real repentance has not taken place in their life. When real repentance takes place in your life and God does a work on the inside, He puts somebody there who wasn't there before. See, there's somebody there living on the inside of me now who that wasn't there before. And that's what God requires is to come to Him by faith. As we keep going, Jesus said, or Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto God but by me. So Jesus is the only offering that will satisfy God. He is the only offering that God will accept. In John chapter number 14, Philip and Jesus, and he's going to be crucified here shortly. He's, he's fixing to go uh, to Jerusalem. He's making his way to Calvary. Here he is. Christ is walking with his disciples. Uh, they're talking. They're fearful. Their Lord's fixing to die. Uh, and Thomas, uh, they begin to talk about the way. And Jesus is, is, is describing them the way uh, uh, to salvation, the way of the Father's house, if you will. And, and then Jesus, uh, uh, Thomas says, Lord, how can we know the way? Show us the way. And he said, and Jesus looks at Philip and he says, he talks about showing him the Father, and then he looks at him and he says, If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. And he's talking about the salvation, and then he says, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would not have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. 
And that's whenever he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said that. And those that come like Cain do not bring the same type of offering that God requires. John said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And if you trust in that Lamb, if you trust in that offering, if you trust in that sacrifice that God provides for you, by the way, what a wonderful thing it is. See, the Old Testament sacrificial system, they had to provide their own Lamb, by which even that, that God did not accept for full, the full removal of sin. And so they had to bring their own lamb, but that was just on the Day of Atonement. And they had to do it again next year. They had to do it again next year. And so they had to do that again until the Lamb of God, which taking away the sin of the world, came. But then whenever Jesus came, that was the end after His death, the end of the Old Testament sacrificial system. There remaineth no more sacrifices for sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And the blood sacrifice is what you've got to bring in your life individually. And only you know... If you've brought the blood sacrifice, you know internally if you've brought the blood sacrifice. So I ask everybody in the room tonight, there are those that come like Cain. Are you one of them? I don't know. I'm at, it's, it's good to ask yourselves that. I'm almost done. So John said that, but Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We're talking about the only offering that will satisfy God. Amen. Cain brought an offering that did not satisfy God. And when you come by faith in Christ, you put your faith in His blood. See, Cain didn't bring the blood. And the blood is what God requires. He said in the book of Exodus, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The book of, in the book of Romans chapter number 3, it, in verse number 24, Paul says, being justified, how? Freely by His grace. Why? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse number 25, whom God, that is God, we're talking about today, the one that didn't accept Cain's offering, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So if Christ is our propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2, if He is the propitiation for our sins, that means propitiation. He is the appeasement of God's wrath uh, toward us. See, God had wrath toward us. But Christ in His sacrifice, when He died for us on Calvary, He is our propitiation in that, that, is the, that the definition of propitiation is the appeasement of God's wrath by the sacrificial work of what Christ has done. He is our propitiation. Hebrew, or first, the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, talks about how Christ's blood is precious. He says, for as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold as you received from the vain conversation from the tradition of your fathers. Verse, the next verse, verse 18. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot, without blemish, was manifest in the last time for you. So have you come like Cain or have you come by the way that sacrificial blood offering that God requires? I'm so thankful that I can say that I know that the blood of my Lord cleansed me from all sin, that I've been born again by His grace. He's erased all my sin, washed me in His blood, and I'm so thankful to God for that tonight that I can testify that. Can you say that tonight, that you know that Christ has redeemed you? Or have you come like Cain, depending upon a profession of faith that has not wrought any change in life? I don't know. I don't know. But there are those that come like Cain. And I want to say this, those that come like Cain end up rejecting the revealed truth that's been delivered to them. Look in verse number 7. Now, this is after Cain's countenance has fallen, okay? Cain's countenance is falling, and he says in verse number 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. So God comes to Cain, and he says, Cain, if you'll do well, I'll accept you. If you do what I'm asking you to do, you'll be accepted. Cain was not accepted by coming in his own power, in his own offering, on his own profession, on his own works, on his own merit. Cain was not accepted by God. And what, what God is saying to Cain, He's saying, Cain, if you come by the way that I'm telling you to come, then I'll accept you. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. But Cain and those that come like him end up rejecting the revealed truth that's been delivered him. Cain turned his ears away from the truth. And that's what people that come like Cain do as well. You know, 2 Timothy chapter number 4 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Why? 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but heap themselves teachers having itching ears. And so Cain heaped himself teacher having itching ears in modern day vernacular uh, because he rejected the revealed truth that God had given him. And that's what people that come like Cain do as well. They end up rejecting the revealed truth that's been delivered to them. Only I want to say this, those that come like Cain not only end up rejecting the revealed truth that's been delivered to them, but they end up leaving with hatred in their heart towards their brother. So if you've come to church like Cain tonight, you end up leaving. See, whenever Cain left Abel, what happened? When Cain left Abel, see, everything was fine before the offering got, got rejected. Everything was okay, Right? But what happened is, is God did not accept his offering. He did not accept Cain's worship. And he's telling Cain, listen, if you come the right way, you'll be accepted. So Cain's offering and his worship got rejected. And so as a result of God rejecting the worship, he leaves with hatred. See, he hasn't killed, we're in verse number 7, he hasn't killed Abel yet. So this is just boiling up in Cain. I mean, he's just, how dare God not accept my offering? I mean, does he not know that I have labored and toiled and sweat? I mean, when the sun rose up in the morning, I was out there planting those crops. I mean, whenever it got dry outside, I was watering them. All the, he, was just, he was just working it over in his mind. Look at what all that I've done for God. How dare God not accept me? Look at what I've done to prepare these crops. How dare him not accept my offering? And Cain, all he did was just brought just a measly old sheep. He didn't labor at all for that. All he had to do was just bring that up there and just slap it down and light it on fire. He didn't have to do anything. I could just imagine Cain just going, just, he's just internally battling. How dare him say that to me? Who is he to tell me that my offering is not good enough? And Cain is just, he's wrestling with this. And, but God gives him an opportunity to repent. He, he extends grace toward him. If you'll just receive it, if you'll receive it, if you'll come and bring the wrong, right kind of offering, but he left with hatred in his heart toward Abel. I want to show you this. Turn to 1 John chapter number 3. We will turn back to Genesis, but I want to show us this. 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 3. Look in verse 11. I'll just read it for the second time. and We can turn there in a second. But he, that, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Right here, First uh, John chapter number 3. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was in, verse, I was in chapter 2. Look in verse chapter 3. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. There are people that say they're Christians, they're born again, but they hate the brethren. That is a mark of true conversion that takes place in their life. You might not like to be around them all the time, but you have a love for them. And there are people that hate God's people and then profess that, that they love God. And when you say that, well, what about this? Well, they're not my brother. Okay. But as we keep going, for this, verse number 13... Or verse number 10, in that the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, but he that loveth not his brother. Then this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, not, or that we should love one another, right here in verse number 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, who slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, right here, because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So Abel didn't hate Cain because... I mean, he, he didn't have righteous indignation like, man, I mean, if anything, it should have been Abel who was mad at Cain and say, Cain, that's probably why uh, Cain ended up killing him because Abel was like, man, you know you should have brought the right kind of offering. You know what dad has taught us in our life growing up. You know that whenever they sinned in the garden that God took coats of skins. You know this, Cain. And I could just imagine him trying to entreat Abel and trying to help him and trying to say, you know what dad's taught us. You know what God has said. Uh, you know what, what, what he said. He, he'll accept you. Here, I'll even give you a sheep. You can have this sheep. I'll make it easy for you. I'll provide it for you, though you cannot provide it for yourself. And that's what Jesus Christ does in his sacrifice on Calvary. He provides you a sheep that you cannot provide for yourself. In Genesis 22, whenever Isaac was, he was like, my father, where is the, we have the wood, but where's the offering? He said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the offering. 
I can just imagine Abel and, and, and Cain talking about that. And he's just, he's just festering up. He's just saying, man, I can't believe this. And, and look at Abel. And I, I could just, all these scenarios going through his mind when God's just telling him, if you come by my way, I'll accept you. It breaks my heart whenever I read about Cain. Now, verse number four, or chapter four, verse 19 through 20. And then we'll turn back. We love him because he first loved us right here in 20. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And now we turn back to Genesis. Not only that, but I want to say this, that those that come like Cain end up ruining relationships because of their wickedness. He ruined his relationship with his parents. He murdered his brother. Matter of fact, look, as we go back in the text, let's look right here in verse number 8. And Cain talked with Abel, and it came to pass they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Cain rose up against Abel and slew him. And it wasn't because Abel's works were unrighteous, but it was because Cain's works, Cain's works were unrighteous. And so you see here, you see that it ruined his relationship with his parents. Not only did that ruin his relationship with his parents, but it ruined his relationship with Abel. I mean, him and Abel, man, they were brothers. Man, they were, they were, I mean, when they were growing up, they were like this. I mean, they were only two brothers that were there. I mean, here they are. Could just, they were just throwing sticks, playing with rocks. I mean, they're out by the pond, and Abel's throwing Cain a rock. I mean, I mean, Cain probably taught Abel how to hit the rock whenever they're... I mean, here's the pond right here, and here's Abel right here. And then Cain pitches in the rock. I mean, I can just imagine all the fun that they have. And it never ends up like this. I mean, they were brothers. They loved each other. I mean, there, were, there was not any separation until the day that Cain's offering got rejected. Those that come like Cain end up ruining relationships. He did it with his parents, he did it with Abel, and he did it with God. Look in verse number 16. After he kills him, the punishment of Cain becomes a fugitive and a vagabond. All these things in verse number 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod after he kills Abel. I want to say this, that those that come like Cain end up living in the land of Nod. Have you not, I'm sure you have, there are plenty of people that probably have went here and you wonder, why are they not here? they, They should be here. They've come and gone, come and gone, come and gone. And by the way, sitting in church services isn't salvation either. But they've come and gone, they've come and gone, they've come and gone, and they're not here. Why are they not here? Well, I can accommodate for them. I can say, well, you know, they just, they're struggling, the issue, or I'm not talking about lettering out. You know, there was two specific people that came to me about certain things. I'm ready to leave, just like Cain. I'm ready to leave, and you need to leave too, and you need to go too, and this is why you should go because I'm going. And I just both of them are just talking to me. And, just, and I said, okay, well, why don't you just let her out? I mean, there's plenty of other churches. This isn't the only church. I said, why don't you just let her out and go to another church? Oh, well, you know. And what it is, it's not an excuse to, to, to find another place of worship. It's an excuse to quit church. Why don't you just let her out? And if you're so concerned with the sign of how it doesn't say Landmark Baptist anymore, if you drive two miles down the road on Post Road, there's a church that says Landmark Baptist. Go there and let her out. But it's an excuse to be unfaithful. Those that come like Cain end up living in the land of Nod. That's why they're not here, because they're living in the land of Nod. The word Nod means to wonder. That's what Nod, that's what Nod means when you... You look that up in its, in its etymology. It means to wonder or to live a wandering life. Cain was a wanderer. He went out from the presence of God. God never dealt with him again, as you see. He was a wanderer. He had no place of abode. He, 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 he went from, if you just used it in our modern day uh, vernacular, he went from this church to that church to this church to that church. And when he went to this church, he would corrupt this church. And when he went to this church, he would corrupt this church. He never could settle down. And you know what he did? He taught his kids to do that too. He taught his kids to never settle down. And what he did was he taught his kids 
to, uh, let me just say this, if I could just use it in practicality purposes. I know it's getting kind of late, but this needs to be said. For practicality purposes, they probably tore down the preacher on their way home. And so as they're driving, Daddy Cain is tearing down the preacher on the way home because of what Daddy Cain is saying, and, uh, or what Abel's saying, or whoever, and they're driving down the road, and what Cain is doing is he's teaching his children, his descendants that are going to die in the flood several years down the road, he's teaching them that what's said here doesn't matter. And you know where he got that from? Who did, who did Cain have? He had Enoch, didn't he? You know where Enoch learned it from? He learned it from Cain. And guess who Enoch's teaching that his, to his children too? Now Enoch's children are learning the ways of Cain. And those that come like Cain end up ruining the relationships with God, with the brethren, with the church. Listen, what if what I say is wrong? So Marquis and I don't have conversations about church stuff whenever we're around them. Because what if we're wrong? What if what I think might not be, I mean, exactly what the Bible says, and instead of it just being methodology, right? I mean, it's not total heresy. It's just a person's methodology to accomplish something, and I'm tearing down something that's not even heresy. Can you imagine that? And what if I'm wrong? And so what I do is I implant the wicked heart of Cain into the ones that are coming up behind. And what's going? It, it, it's just it might just be methodology. It might not even be a big deal. It might not even be something to get. And then and then I could just Cain just man Cain, you're destroying Enoch. And now Enoch's building a city. He's destroying his kids. And it's just a perpetual state of just in the land of Nod, getting worse and worse. Man, we ought to be ashamed. Man, I'd be saying, I mean, I wish there were some people right here because I'd be saying you ought to be ashamed to be out of church for a year and then slander the brethren and then come in here and sing songs to God. That should be a shame to come in here and slander everybody in this room and then to sit over there and sing songs and raise your hand. That is a shame. That is the land of Nod. That's Enoch. So we see he's wandering. And he's getting worse. He's getting worse. And people pleaded with him the entire time. Cain, man, you're going the wrong way. Man, you're going the wrong way, Cain. You got everything, Cain. You got everything. You got everything that people want. There are people that want what you have. And they don't have it, Cain. And you're going the wrong way. But it didn't matter. It did not matter to Cain. What mattered to Cain is what Cain wanted. Is that how you are? It doesn't matter what God says. He says He'll accept you. But there are those that come like Cain. Man. I mean, Cain, he's getting worse. Oh, i got to keep going. It's almost done. we got to hurry up. God did not accept Cain's offering. I'm done. God didn't accept Cain's offering. And Abel, man, Abel loved Cain, man. He looked up to Cain. He was his older brother. You know, Abel wanted someone to look up to, man. He looked up to Cain. Like, man, I can, there, there, are, there are attributes in Cain that I can look up to. So I could glean some, some, uh, some things from, from Cain. But Cain just went, got worse and worse and worse. Man, he went, and he left. And what I'm saying is you don't have to come like Cain. And I'm, I'm sure everybody in here is probably born again. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not questioning no one's salvation. I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying, man, preaching is just not just, I'm just here to just deliver a message. Here's just a message for me to just deliver. Man, i got a purpose for why I'm doing this. And I know y'all know that. I'm not saying, don't, don't misunderstand that. I'm saying society. It's just another message to society. Not y'all, I don't, I, don't I don't mean that. You know that. Surely you know that. I'm not, I'm not. But what I'm saying, there's a purpose for why we're here. And Cain, what I'm saying, I'm done. Cain didn't realize the purpose for why he came. It's, it's just another thing. It's just enough. I mean, Daddy's offered all. I mean, Daddy's came a hundred times, but you know what? I know he. I know he brings the bullet. 
I know he does this. 